Have you enjoyed the Power Up series so far? I had more people text me and call me and email me and tell me that they learned more about the Holy Spirit last week than they have in, in a long time. And uh, a lot of people are actually watching these videos in places. It's kind of shocking to me uh, that they're watching and sending us messages and they, they like what we're talking about. Um, you know, but the truth is, it's really not anything special to us. We're not unique. It's just what the Bible says, right? Uh, the truth is, is we got to let the Bible be the Bible because the Bible's forever correct. And uh, I think a lot of times we, we mess up what the Bible's trying to tell us uh, because we put what we've heard from other people in there, and therefore we influence it, and we just want to hear what God has to say, right? All right, take your Bibles and go with me to the book of John, chapter 16, verse 7. We're going to start part two of Power Up. Last week we talked about who the Holy Spirit was, what He was. Uh, this week we're talking about hearing and obeying Him. Amen? Whether you know it or not, all of you are hearing Him every day. Whether you know it or not, you are. And now it's up to you how much you listen to. And, and the beautiful thing about God, which is also the curse, is He gave you free will. He did not want to control you. He wanted you to choose him. Amen? And it amazes me that, that when you see something as good as he is, we don't just immediately run to him. But the truth is, is how we see God is tainted by how we see people. And uh, we tend to put God in the same category as people because people will fail you. Amen? And uh, listen, your friends will fail you. Uh, I, I don't care how close your best friend is. Your best friend will fail you. Your pastors will fail you. They're people. They're flesh. That's what happens. Your quarterback going to fail you. Hallelujah. Th things going to happen. <laughs> but the truth is, God is never going to fail, right? John 16, verse 7. I'm reading the New King James. He'll have the King James on the screen. And if we call for something else, we'll tell you what it is so you can write it down. Uh, and again, remember, when we put these videos up, especially in a series on the website, all of these notes will be there. So if you, if you miss something that I write down, you can always download it and, and print it or do whatever you want to. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, if God's telling you the truth, you can take it to the bank, right? It is to your advantage. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. Uh, but if I depart, I will send him to you. What he's saying is this. It's needful that I go to heaven and start interceding for you so that the Holy Spirit, who is the power that raised Jesus from the dead, can be on all of you. Because at that time, it was just on him. And, and he had to become the seed to open. Now, I don't have time getting seed time and harvest and sonship, but he had to become the seed for you to be able to be eligible to have that on you. Now, we said this last week, and it's real quick, and I'm going to say it again. You have the Holy Spirit in you for you on you for someone else. We get those things confused. And, and we want to really, really delve down on who he is and how to listen to him. A lot of people, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, the first thing they hear is tongues. Oh, Lord, we're going to be teaching on tongues. Hey, that's coming. Hang on. Uh, we ain't there yet, though, because the truth, the truth be known, people that are not saved, the Holy Spirit's still talking to. So we got to understand how he operates. And when you understand who he is and how he operates, you, you don't get into this fear mindset. Because once you know who he is, you really realize just how much of a gentleman he is. And how if Jesus said, now listen, this, is, this ends the whole debate on, on people that say, well, I don't know if I need the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, it's to your advantage. And if Jesus said it's to your advantage, 
then it's, it's really, I mean, you, you kind of got to take him at his word, right? There is one step. Following the Holy Spirit is literally one step at a time. Now, I, w- I want to say a few things before we get real deep into this. We talked about this last week, and I'm just going to touch on it and we'll move forward. We talked about last week the difference between somebody giving you instructions or directions and showing you, right? Because when somebody guides you to something, they're showing you where it is. They're showing you how it is, what it is. If, you t- if somebody in a store takes you to somewhere and they're the ones that know, they know all about it, they can tell you what it does. That's why they have salespeople. Um, now, now, if somebody just points in a direction and says, that's where it's at, you've got to go find it yourself. And, and what you have is you have an instruction, but you don't have any leadership. That is not how the Holy Spirit operates. The Holy Spirit is always forever taking you. But listen to this now. One step at a time. Now, let me say this. I want you all to hear this before I get too deep into anything else. People say, well, I just I don't know if I'm hearing from God. you got one simple question. Have you, have you followed the last instruction? If you haven't followed the last instruction, don't be asking for the next instruction. Because something in the last instruction is what's going to set you up for what's next. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you step by step by step because here's why. I am so grateful to pastor this church. I've had opportunities to leave. I've had opportunities to take money and go. I've had opportunities for tons of people. I've had all kind of opportunities. Uh, had TV opportunities. But I know what the instruction was. And I know it's more valuable to me personally to do what he said. However, way back in 03 when we started this in my living room in my house, if God would have shown me the direction step by step and the hell that me and her and my kids would go through by the things people say and do, I would have never done it. Appreciate your enthusiasm. Because if I would have seen all of it, I would have made a mental decision based on my maturity at that point. Is it worth it? But see, when you put yourself in a position that you're going to trust him step by step, every step's worth it. Now, don't get me wrong. The Holy Spirit didn't intend for people to be heard or to say things or do things. People are immature and people that's just what people do. But the truth is this. If he gave you everything, you couldn't handle it. If he put everything in your brain at one point and said, this is where you're going to be, he gives you a taste. He gives you, he gives you the commercial. He gives you, you, you ever see that commercial that comes on and everybody's just like, man, I got to watch that. There's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a TV show on now that I probably will never watch again, but I'm going to watch one episode because of the commercial. It's like, it's like a remake of Green Acres. I don't know if y'all have seen it. It's where this, this two city, city couple has, has bought a house out on a farm, and she's walking up with two cows, and she goes, hey, this one likes to lick, and it's freaking me out. You know, that kind of thing. Because of that right there, I'm going to watch that show. <laughs> just because just it's funny. Now, here's the thing. That is kind of how God, he'll show you just enough. And when I, when, I, when, I, when I hit that place where the Holy Spirit started talking to me about sonship, he showed me just enough. And it wasn't about people, and it wasn't about thousands, and it wasn't about nations, and it wasn't about, it was about the light bulb going on. People getting who they were. Because I started to get it. So when you take it one step at a time, you begin to see how it works. Now, let's, let's, let's paint a picture here. Go to John chapter 2. You're in John, so just back up to chapter 2. <clears throat> Y'all okay this morning? I have got a lot of information, and I'm going to try my best to get it out by noon, but y'all just go ahead and just, y'all got four inches of pad, you'll be all right, and plenty of popcorn in the back. 
I go past 1230, they can start bringing popcorn in here. (laughs) John chapter 2, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Well, that's talking about turning water into wine. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you the problem with this story. A lot of people who want to err on the side of of pseudo-grace and false teaching will say, well, it's about wine. That's not what this story is about. This story is about God doing his part because man did his part. Now, this story is about a wedding that was taking place in a culture to where a young couple who was trying to make their name, they had put themselves together, and they were trying to move into the community as a married couple and as one. And back then, it was agricultural. They had to be able to sell and, and, and make and, and do things to be able I mean, they, they just didn't get up go to work. He wasn't a doctor. She wasn't a nurse. I mean, it, they, they had to actually make friends in the community at sales times to make money. Had they run out of wine, it would have been a forever embarrassment on their family and they would have never been accepted again in the community. So it wasn't about the wine. It was about Jesus meeting a need. Had nothing to do with the kingdom. Had nothing to do with church growth. Had nothing to do with him establishing his ministry. It had to do with man part, God part, because somebody needed him. That's That's what you're called to. Man part, God part, because people need you. People don't need you. They need the God in you. They need the instruction in you. They need the focus in you. Are y'all okay? All right, let's, let's, let's keep rolling. <clears throat> Psalms 32, verse 8. Now, this was a miracle of provision because of obedience. You understand? There's a lot of miracles you may need in your life. There may be some things you need to, to clear up. There may be some money you need to show up. There may be something you believe in God for. Those are provision, provisional miracles. And, you know, God cares. You do realize God cares about that stuff. But he cares that you listen. Now, I tell my, this is part of my, this is part of Pastor Allen raising his kids 101. They'll tell you that I will tell them, I am not primarily concerned with your happiness. I am primarily concerned with your well-being. Those are two very different things. Because what they think makes them happy may be hurting them down the road. Hey, see, some of us with them kids in Walmart need to learn that. Lord Jesus, somebody needs to spank Junior. Anyway, Psalm 32 Verse 8, praise the Lord. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding. Say stupid. Hey, that's what that means. Stupid animals, they have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit, which means they need to keep their mouth shut, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, But he who trusts the Lord, mercy shall surround him. He who trusts the Lord, mercy. But he goes through this list of don't be dumb. Don't be ignorant. Don't do dumb things. Don't put yourself in a position to, to, why would you give somebody a gun and a bullet to shoot you with? He's saying, not only don't be stupid, he's also saying, put a bridle in your mouth. Oh, Jesus, that one just hit me right in the gut. Every failure we have is a prayer failure first. Everyone. And every victory we have is a is, is a prayer victory first. And what I've learned is if I'm really focused in prayer, I'm not really talking about people except for their heart. 
That God could heal them up because all of a sudden now I'm moved by compassion. You know, them people that you just, you want God to just do, you know, put, give them a flat tire or something. All of a sudden you find yourself wanting to see them blessed. You're not praying until you move over into that area. I can tell y'all taking that real well. Let's move on. Some of y'all, some of y'all got some stuff. Uh, Hebrews 3 and 15. I'm going to lay a big foundation just like last week. Hebrews 3 and 15. Y'all okay? Y'all sure? Y'all giving me amens this morning, and I appreciate it, but y'all very tentative. Like, what's he going to say next? Yep, here it comes. Put your seatbelts on. <clears throat> Hebrews, Hebrews 3 and 15. There it is. While it, yeah, let me just read it off the screen because I don't like this version here. While it is said, uh, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. As in the provocation, next verse, verse 16. For some, when they heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Now, this is talking about the rebellion. And God leads by steps, not leaps. They wanted to come right out and go right into the promised land. They didn't want to, they didn't want to walk. We live in a day and time, I was watching uh, the news this morning as I was getting ready, and, and there's a study out that America, even the adults 40 years and under, have become all children. That's a study. We pay to college to tell us that. Here's why. Because when you go on trips, you don't see kids enjoying the trip or talking to the parents or connecting their own the device. And they're blaming the parents because the parents want them to shut up. What we don't understand is by our conversation and connection with them, we're training them how to be adults. And our job as parents is to show them how to be productive members of a society, not some welfare case sitting over here because you can't get out of your house and now you've got to let somebody bring you your groceries because if you go outside, you'll die. Thank you. Again, uh, listen, if y'all can't handle this, y'all, I'm glad y'all wasn't here Wednesday night. Lord Jesus. Yeah, that's the people that were here Wednesday night that were laughing. Listen, I want you to understand something. If God doesn't leave in steps and not leaps, he has to lead you through simple things. Everybody wants grand revelation. Everybody wants to give somebody a word of knowledge. Everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody wants to do those things, but they won't do the simple stuff. Now, what is the simple stuff? Love thy neighbor as theirself. Caring for somebody where they are. Looking at somebody and having empathy for the situation they're in. Listen, this is way on in my notes. Let's just get to it now. God's changed my heart. And I don't think I've talked to my wife about this, but when I say this, she'll know that God has changed me on this. God has absolutely softened my heart. I do not believe. Now, understand, I used to be a drug addict. I used to be a drug dealer. I ran dope from New Orleans to Panama City. I'm 14, 15 years old. I'm in the car. I used to do all this stuff. I've been arrested. I've been on the hood of cars with my face, but I've been there. But I don't believe at 46, fixing to be 47 years of age, that if somebody gets arrested, they should have the public photo of that person. I don't believe that, and here's why. I used to believe it. I used to say, yeah, oh, they messed up, put them out there, did it to me. But this is what I believe. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's dad. 
And you're giving them a picture and a mental thought of how they will think about that person the rest of their life. And not even knowing at 48 hours, they walk out with no charges. See, we're planting images in people. I do not believe that we should take people as a photo. I believe we should look at their whole life. Everybody is valuable to God. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody is led by the Holy Spirit one way or another. Everybody gets there. They just may go slow. You got to understand this, that when God says, even a humanly father, even an evil father, if you ask for bread, won't give you a snake, won't give you a rock. What he's saying to you is, give everybody a shot. You okay? Give them a chance. Moses came down and he's dealing with people and attitude and my God in heaven and why can't y'all get it together? And then Moses let the frustration of the people cause him not to go into the promised land. Because it got on him. And the truth is, is we put ourselves in a position at a moment in time to where things fail and it looks bad. But when God begins to work it out for us and things begin to move in the right, and we start hearing and obeying the Holy Spirit. That's the key. A lot of people hear, but not everybody obeys. Let me just say this, and people disagree with me, and that's okay. Everybody hears the Holy Ghost. Not everybody obeys. Because obedience brings you up to a place that you couldn't go by yourself. Obedience changes your heart. Obedience puts you in a position where, you know, you you do realize that God wants you to live a better life. You represent Him. That's the whole point of the Holy Spirit being in you and on you. It's for you to be a representative. And if He wants you to represent Him, He wants you to see the God kind of life, not the man kind of life. And what happens is we get in this position where we begin to fade and, and, and we get, we get to, to move away. And this is, not just, this is not just anybody. This is everybody. You get to a place where you attain. Now, listen, as preachers, we do this all the time. We find a place in him, and all of a sudden the church starts growing, and things are going well, and we rest. And I ain't talking about the good kind of rest. I'm talking about we get lazy because now we got people. You have to keep doing what got you free. You have to keep pursuing who got you free. You have to keep chasing what keeps you. Because what happens is we think we got it. Well, I got this. I got this. I got a good old dose of the Holy Ghost. I I, I had an encounter with God. You understand God wants you to encounter him every day? Every single day. He wants a moment with you. He's jealous for you. You're his. I got a house full of kids, and every day I want to hear something from every one of them. Listen, Caleb, my son Caleb's the quietest one of the bunch. And he got them headphones on. We work together. He works with me. Every once in a while, I'll just make him, because it pulls it right here. You don't pull all the way off. It just pulls it right here where he can hear me. And I I just had to tell him a joke just to hear him laugh. I don't just want to hear something from from all because they're mine. And I want to know they're okay. And I just want to know they hear me sometimes. Praise the Lord. Because, you know, they have this selective hearing thing that they tend to just turn on or off. But now God starts with the simple things. Now here it is. How many times have you asked this question, was that God, was that me, or was that the devil? Well, we're going to deal with that today. Go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. First Corinthians 14. <clears throat> uh, there's plenty of verses there. Let's just start at verse 10. Now, I'm reading, uh, this is the King James, this is what he'll have on the uh, screen. There are many, it may be, 
so many kinds of voices in the world. And none of them is without signification. Therefore, verse 11, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be like a barbarian unto me. Now, it goes on to talk about being zealous for the gifts, but let's, let's deal with this side of it first. There are many voices in the world. Go back to verse uh, 10 for me. There are many voices, many kinds of voices, and what it's saying is they shouldn't be too significant. Everybody got something to say. But you've got to learn to know which voice you're listening to. Now, y'all have heard me say this forever. I, say, I said it when I was a youth pastor. I'm going to say it now. It's just the truth. You're the sum total of the loudest three voices in your life. You are. I can go to a church. Now, listen, let's just be real. I can go to a church, and I can tell you which preacher that preacher listens to the most. I can. You can, too, because they become like what they put their stock in. And when you become more like the Holy Ghost, you become you. I don't have time to deal, deal with that too much. When you find who you are in him, it's okay to read books. I'm not saying you shouldn't. What I'm saying is you take what he's giving you out of something for you not to mimic. God did not call you to be a shadow or an echo of somebody else. He called you to be a voice of him. He called you to say what he says for the season you're in, for the time you're in, for the people you're around, so you can be him and then you move out of the way because it ain't about your ministry. See, we, we, try to, we, we, try to, we try to have a great altar call and incorporate. Oh, we, we had a move of God. Uh, oh, man, why don't you book me up? Let me come to your church and do it. Well, that's fine if they want you to come, but the truth is it's really not about your ministry. It's about you being available to use his ministry the way he's called you to. Being led of the Holy Spirit is not random. It's not random. It is an effectual, fervent prayer. It is a focus. It is a mindset. It is a, listen, let me just be, let me just be very real. It's not uncommon for me to get alone with the Lord and spend the first 30 minutes saying, you're going to have to help me get this funk all up off me because I'm mad at him. And it takes that long. But when I finally get free and joy enters the room, now listen, let's, let's just talk about that. Now, I'm way off my notes, but let's just stay here. The personality of the Holy Spirit is not violent. The personality of the Holy Spirit is not showy. The personality of the Holy Spirit is very caring, kind, and he is a gentleman. Now, there are, altar, there are times in the altar where people reacting to power and we're going to talk about that later. But you've got to know who he is before you chase the power. You've got a whole lot of people coming up chasing power, and they don't even know what they're talking about. They just want what they've seen, not what they've experienced. And when you experience him, his most significant personality trait is love. Period. Followed by joy. Followed by peace. Oh, see, we all, the longer you make this list, the more of us get excluded, and I can put me in there. Because when you're close to him, it messes everything up. Listen, people say, well, people full of the Holy Ghost are just weird. Well, maybe we're just like him, and you're so far over there, you can't take it. 
I think the church is failing by trying to be more worldly. I think we should be more godly. I think we should be more like him and then let the world come in and say, okay, now every time I see them, they, that's the only person I've seen in Walmart that cuss nobody today. And your pastor just walked by. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I ain't cussing nobody today. Y'all get that on the way home. Listen, joy. Joy is one of those things that should work in you. And you have to discern the many kinds of voices and get down to where you know his. Because when you know his, all those others get real quiet. And they begin to move away. And they begin to, to lose their ability to really speak to you and really mess with you and really get in your head. And I'm just going to tell you, most of those voices are from people who are trying to influence you away from whatever they don't want to be a part of. Oh, well, that's all right. Let's just go to Jeremiah chapter 7. Y'all don't want to hear the New Testament. Let's go to Old Testament. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 7, verse uh, 23. Now, do we have the God's Word translation back there, Juan? No? Okay. I'll just read it. Let's, we're going to start in the King James. Jeremiah 7, 23. Are y'all learning anything? You want your life to change, don't you? You know, as a pastor, my job is to come in here and want to see every one of you happy and free. That's what I want. And sometimes being happy and free comes at the cost of slowing down and learning what the Word has to say. You can't, because I can, listen, we can build this thing up. I can get the praise team back up here. We can hop around and I can lay hands on all of you. But when you walk out, are you going to be happy and free? See, we can have a happy and free service and walk out and be bound. But when you put the Word to work in your life, it changes everything. Jeremiah 7, verse 23 Jeremiah 7, verse 23. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey, say obey, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and walk in the ways that I have commanded you. Now, that's not a suggestion. That it may be well with you. Yet they did not, ooh, they did not obey or incline their ears. They didn't listen, but followed the counsel and the dictates of their evil hearts. And went backwards, not forwards. Now, the God words translation says, verse 24, this way. But they did not obey God or pay attention to God. They followed their own plans. Amen. How many of y'all following your own plans? Don't raise your hand. And their stubborn, even, evil ways. Stop right there. The God's word translation couples our plans with the word stubborn and evil. Think about that. Because if it's against what God has for you or your family or your children, then you, listen, I don't want to be mean, and I am a parent, so I don't want to hear these kind of things. But if you're not showing your child how God thinks, that's stubborn and evil to God. Because that's a victory that that child's not getting. That guy, listen, that kid don't need to see you go home and tear the pastor and his wife and his family apart for lunch. That, that kid don't need to see you sit at the table and talk about such and such, hit the altar. You know what they did. That ain't none of your business what they did. Are y'all okay today? I'm learning over the, over the years. When y'all get quiet, you're either listening or you're scared. So hopefully you're listening today. Now, stop praying. Listen to me. Listen, one last thing and I'll move on. Now, everybody right here. Stop praying to win in a situation where there's disobedience. <laughs> That'll get on your toes. Everybody called me talking about, Lord, pray. 
Oh, pastor, just pray. But are you obedient in the situation you're asking us to spend our time on? Now, this is me and April starting to get real selfish in our pastorate. We're really getting to a point that if we ain't seeing you do what we ask you to do, don't holler. I love you, but dang. I mean, if you got instructions, do them, right? Oh, gee, I better get it right. Oh, Lord. Hannah ain't out here with a knife either. Might need somebody to escort me to the car. Listen, every single one of us, I said us, have an area we're in disobedience. Every one of us. The deal is you have to get to where you're willing to listen to him and let him talk to you about it. To where you can be pulled out of that through obedience. But yet some people just don't want to be free by themselves. They need somebody else to pray because they don't want to be obedient. But listen. You cannot get victory in a situation where there's disobedience. And let me just, while I'm here, let's talk about this. <sighs> Listen, you cannot ask God to bless what he cannot bless. If you, listen, let me just say this. If you believe that God put sickness on you, don't call me to pray it off you because he's bigger than I am. Right? Right? Because if he put it on you, y'all think I'm like a witch doctor or something. Get some chicken blood and a couple bones and throw it on Tuesday. Rub it in your armpit and you'll be healed. That's not how this thing works. This thing works by knowing what his word says and obeying the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I have learned there are certain tests over the years that I've had to take to see if I'm in me or if I'm in him or if I'm hearing the devil. Because, you know, listen, if you can hear God, you can hear the devil. You understand the, the devil's not omnipresent, but he has things assigned to your life that speak to you just as much as God does. And let me tell you something. If God has to use people to bless you, he's got to use people to curse you. Not every voice is a good voice. Now, this is what I've learned. I've learned that there are certain tests that I've had to take to know these things. Number one is the time test. Say time. The time test. Go to Proverbs 19 and 22. Well, you have to put it on the screen. Yeah, go to it as you can, but... Proverbs 19 and 22 says, Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. Right here. And he sins who hastens with his feet. The time test says, am I rushing things? See, now I'm going to say some things, and i got friends in ministry that will probably not talk to me for a while because of what I'm about to say. If I have somebody call me in ministry and want me to give something financially or whatever, and they have to have it in 48 hours, and they're putting pressure on me, that ain't God. That means I'm their source. I'm glad y'all amen that. It makes me feel better. If there's a, if there's a deadline, if there's pressure, if it don't happen, or, or you're going to leave me hanging. If there's anything that puts you in a position where there's some kind of hunger, desire outside of God's will that rushes things, that's not God. Now, you have to understand, is that you? Is it your desire? Or is that the enemy, which is trying to get you off track? But because it's not God's desire, now you know the other two are evil. I'm teaching I'm teaching. 
Now listen, y'all, y'all, got, y'all got one of the biggest screw-ups in front of you standing on this stage. So listen from my failures. I've learned a lot through screwing up. Number two, the anger test. Say anger. What is motivating your decision? Are you just going to tell them off because you think they need to be told off? Or has the Lord told you to go to them and say, if you don't get this fixed, there's going to be some problems down the road. What's motivating? See, now look, my wife, y'all have no idea, and she doesn't either really how much I appreciate her because I don't do a good job of telling her, but the amount of times she's talked me off the ledge of just telling somebody off just because I doggone wanted to. And she's like, well, what, 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 what did the Holy Spirit say? I don't care. See, but I could say that to her. We're one flesh. See, I could say to her some things because it is her job to pull me down. Are y'all with me? Because there are some times that I've wanted to make some phone calls. There are some times that I have felt that knife slide right between my ribs and get stabbed in the back. There are those times when I know for a fact things have been done. But I just have to smile because... Doesn't matter if I saw it, God did. And I have to understand what was the motive with them as well. Were they conned? Were they hurt? Were they pay- Where's their insecurity? And see, I'm learning this as time goes by. So there's the time test, and then there's the anger test, and the next one is the selfishness test. Who does this benefit? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He's going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read it. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Right there. Let each esteem others better than himself. None of us have that down. That's just, we're, we're selfish people. That's how we're, we're, our, we have a flesh. We have to get past that. Verse 4, let each, of you, uh, let, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. The selfishness test says, is this only for you? Now, I'm going I'm to talk about me for a minute because I've been talking about y'all all morning. Do I want small groups and growth track and baptisms? Do I want uh, a praise team and a choir? Do I, do I pressure these kids because I want it? Or it's because what God wants for this church? Do I put together meetings and do I, do I bring in guest speakers because it looks good for Alan Bailey to be aligned with such and such? Or is it what God said for this church? See, I've gotten to the place where, see, I've had all the opportunities sent to me that in my 20s, I wish I would have had. See, in my, in my late 40s, I'm, I just said late 40s. In my late 40s, I used to ask April where all the older people are. She goes, it's us. Um, I've had the chance to do things that I never thought I would do. And because of the Holy Spirit, I turned them down because I saw the ambition was wrong. It became about me being famous. I, and and here's, here's the amazing thing. I had the opportunity at 18 to 20 years old to take a record deal and be famous. So why would I now want to go back and be a famous preacher? I think, listen, listen, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, preachers were famous because they were getting results. You know why Billy Graham's famous? Results. You know why Oral Roberts' famous? Results. Dad Hagen? Results. You know why people are famous today? TBN. No results. Listen, I ain't trying to be ugly. Listen, we, 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 we done pulled the curtain down. It's real today. Because the truth is, I have to see God in people. Now, I can't go into what I talked about Wednesday night uh, about the prosperity gospel and all that, but I'm sure you're seeing this stuff on Facebook. 
But the truth is, you have to understand, prosperity is very real, but the manipulation of it's not. You have to be willing to hear God and hear the Holy Spirit and everything. Now, that's past the selfishness test. Now, the next one is this. The people test. Now, this, the people test is where the majority of everybody fails, including me. Now, the people test that says this. What am I being influenced by? Are you being influenced by other people? The devil, uh, Luke 4 and 5 and 6, Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says, The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you uh, all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Now, let, 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 me, let me talk. We're going we're gonna to slow down right here. I got plenty of other things. But listen, the people test means that you're wanting influence. You're wanting to impress. The people test means that people have more say in your heart than God does. The people test means that it matters what they think above what the Holy Spirit says. And when you get to that place, you are very, very close to failure. Not because you're a bad person. Listen, everybody right here. Not because you're bad, but because you're ignorant. You're not listening to the one voice that leads you out of all the mess you're in. There is a discipline to the gospel. There, there, there is not anything random about God. People that get success with God spend time with God every day of their life. People who hear from God talk to God every day of their life. People who, who walk around with this grace and anointing on their life are inside of that anointing every day of life. Y'all know what the word anointing means? Now, let, let, me, let me talk about something. How many of y'all eat peanut butter? Oh, yeah, I know you do. If you take a piece of bread and you stick that spoon or, or knife or some of y'all fork down in that, in, in that jiff or Peter Pan, whatever you got, and you slather it all, I'm talking about all over it, and it's smothered, you understand that's the word for anointing? You are supposed to be smothered in him. Now, you get that peanut butter all over you, and you don't wash it off, and, and you're going to be that smelly guy at work, you know. But you shake hands and love people two or three weeks later, it's all gone, right? But you were anointed. But because you didn't smother it on every day, you're not under. You have an anointing on your life, every single one of you. But it's just like the Holy Spirit in you and on you. He's there. But you, the, David said, let me stir up the gift within me. I don't know about you, but I like to stir up the peanut butter for I smother it on the bread. You got to move, move some of that crust off. You know, you got to. I watch them bake. Now, I don't bake. I just eat. But I watch them. And when they put, listen, when they put ingredients in, every ingredient over time touches every other ingredient. That's called saturation. And when you get saturated in the Holy Ghost, when you get to the place, now listen, being saturated in the Holy Ghost ain't a church service. We got to get past that mindset. Being saturated in the Holy Ghost means that you're walking and seeing and knowing. It means that you're at a place where you know what God is saying. However, everybody say however, don't start conversations with, hey, God said, Two things happen when you do that. 
Number one, you just eliminated correction. God told you, how am I going to tell you you're wrong? Number two, you've eliminated all error because now you better be right. Because you just invoked the, the, the name from on high. Now, this is where you better say, I believe I'm supposed to tell you. You better be careful with that. Just because you flow in a gift or an anointing doesn't mean that you know everything. But you better be willing to say everything you say his way. Because if you say it your way, you answer for it. You have to get to a place that you don't taint what's smothered on you with you. Being led of the Holy Ghost is not an emotion, although there's a lot of emotion in it. Being led of the Holy Ghost is being willing to take wisdom and instruction and guidance day by day and saying what he said his way and watching your life be benefit because you're the bank that the wealth goes through. Now, when you do this, when you, when you understand Luke 4, and the devil said to him, all this power, I'll give, I'll give it to you. Now, Jesus took it. Right? Death, hell, and the grave, he took the keys to it. He gave it to you. Why are you still falling for that? Because he ain't got nothing for you. He, he owns nothing. It's all yours. And you walk in it by being led and being guided into all truth and saying what he, you don't build your life with your hands, you build your life with your words. And when your words are his words, your life is his life. Have you ever heard of the Holy Ghost going hungry? Have you ever heard of Jesus not having a place to live? Have you ever heard of heaven not being able to pay the power bill? That's the life he wants you to live. The Bible says that you were seated in heavenly places. Now, the people test will mess you up. Because the, the, the people test is really where people's hearts get involved. Now, listen. I said earlier, I don't believe, I don't believe, like I said, I don't believe when somebody makes a mistake that they should be publicly ridiculed like that because here's why. The Bible says not to rejoice in somebody else's failure, including your enemy, lest it become you. Kind of sounds like do unto others. Jesus died. So everybody would have a chance. Jesus died so everybody could be covered in him. But Jesus went back to heaven so you could be led and guided by the Holy Ghost. Because it was the Holy Ghost that kept him. He's saying to you, yes, you can walk in biblical finances. Yes, you can operate in gifts and watch people raised from the dead. Yes, you can see healings. Yes, you can see the multitude saved. Yes, you can have a big ministry, big house, big boat. Yes, but to your advantage, the Holy Ghost. Now, what I want you to see is this, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to wrap this up. How do we recognize God's voice? I've got an entire teaching on that that we, we're not going to get into it too much today, but I'm going to give you four things real quick on how to recognize God's voice. Or the Holy Spirit's voice. How do you recognize God's voice? Number one, by the approach. God will never control you or force you. Ever. Ever. You know, the greatest fear of Holy Spirit teachings is people afraid they're going to be forced to do something. 
God's never going to force you. He's never going to control you. He's never going to make you do anything. Now, you can recognize God's voice by its context. It'll line up with the Word. We talked about that last week. Number three, you recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit by His timing. Now, when I say timing, I'm not talking about the pressure of time. I'm talking about the timing of present because God will never remind you of your past. Ever. If, listen, if God says everything you've done has been cast in the sea of forgetfulness, if he says, I remember not, why are you letting people remind you? And if he remembers not, how is he going to remind you of something he don't know? Now, the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. Now, for me, uh, now I'm just going to be very honest with y'all. I know a lot of people go, went to the Foothills Festival, and I, I have no judgment for that. But my, um, Jordan was wanting to go, and she had some friends invite her out, little ballet friends. And she was talking to me about it. She's like, Dad, why don't you ever want to go? See, because of my past in music and the things that I've done and almost accomplished, and I was right there at fame, that was a stronghold for years. So I'm wise enough to let the Holy Spirit tell me, you don't want to be around that. Not because it's bad or y'all are all evil people, but because for me, it wakes something up that should stay dead. My friend uh, opened up with Sweet Tea Trio for Bon Jovi. I had a full access pass to do anything I wanted to do. Play on Bon Jovi's drum set. Come hang out. I turned it down. You know how many people told me I was foolish for that? But yet the Lord said, this is wisdom. And your anointing is more important than an opportunity. See, timing is not always about what's going to happen next. It's about what's going on now. And if whatever's going on in you now, God's trying to heal something up. He's not healing it up by reminding you of your failure. He always is reminding of you of who he's called you to be. Amen? All right, one more. <clears throat> one more, last one. Ah, 20 minutes till popcorn. Praise the Lord. You recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit by what it demands. Now, the Holy Spirit will never demand from you to the point that you burn out. Ever. See, I love pastoring this church. I do. I do. But I get tired. There are things that, that God's called me to do, and then there are things that I just did. And the things that I just did, I noticed, wore me slap out. But when I just do what he's asked me to do, there's a peace and there's a joy and there's something in that for me. God will never wear you out. Now, let's just be honest. People get burnt out in their call because they're in here too much. Let me tell you something. You get up in here, things up in here will mess you all up. Because what's going on in here will pull you to a place that you're thinking your way through something and not being guided and led through. Now, when you're led the right way, you understand the instruction. When you're led the right way, you see the proof. And when you're led the right way, this doesn't bother you because you know what's yours. Now, one last scripture. Go to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to end right here. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Are you learning anything today? I know today has been more classroom work, but my God, we need it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Now, I'm going to read it uh, in the Amplified Version. I appreciate you being attentive today. I know today's different, but 
Sometimes we want to get right to the meat of some things, and if we don't understand how it works, it's useless. Verse 15, and let the peace or soul harmony, I love those words, soul harmony, that's internal, which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions, say all questions, that arise in your mind in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Now, this is the one thing I've learned, and I want to leave you with this. No matter where I've been in my life, no matter how bad I've screwed up, and my God, I have, and I'm screwed up and still preached on Sunday. I understand what repentance is, okay? But when I find myself in that place, no matter what's going on or what my mind's telling me, then I'm able to move over and be thankful to God always. Peace tends to get involved. If you can get to where you're thankful at all times, and it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not that preacher's going to tell you. If you just get thankful, money's going to fall out of the sky. That's not what I'm telling you. But I am going to tell you if you learn to be thankful. I'm not saying the situation's right. I'm not saying it's okay for people to use you, hurt you, or abuse you. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you learn to be thankful to him no matter what. And when peace gets involved, your life begins to turn around. Because what happens is you move into a place to where peace begins to rule you, not the situation. If you let peace rule you, your peace will overtake the situation. What people don't understand, and I I love that people call us and, and request for us to pray. We're honored that you would do that. But what really bothers us as pastors is that if you will just get thankful for where you are, and really get quiet, and really just get with him and let peace invade, then your situation can change just by an atmosphere. You ever walk into a room of a place, and you just know, I don't want to be in here. Something don't feel right. Now, I'm fixing to mess with you, because a lot of us spirit-filled people, now spirit-filled people are sensitive to spirits. So a lot of spirit-filled people will go, oh, I'm discerning something, I went. We're getting out of here. That is the wrong answer. You are filled with the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Your job is to let your peace take over that room. That's how powerful he is. Now, let me tell you something. We can pray, and we're going to pray, and we can have a good time, and we can shout, we can jump. But there is nothing more powerful than peace. Nothing. If you can get peace, you get your life back. Amen. Stand your feet with me.